What's up, guys? I'm Jax Hollow. You're listening to The Hook by K-Sky. Hey everyone, what's happening? What's going on? It is January. It is 50 degrees in Chicago. What the hell is going on? I don't know, but I'm not complaining. Welcome back to The Hook Rocks, and thanks for tuning in. We are part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, a great network of music-related podcasts. You can find a lot of great podcasts for all music tastes on PantheonPodcast.com, and some of my buddies are on there too as well, like Mac and Action Jackson on the Ugly American Werewolf in London podcast. Always check out Martin Popoff, the rock historian. Mistress Carrie, got to have her back on. Tom and Zeus on Shout Out Loudcast, who I also do the Zeppelin Chronicles with. Great uh, sidecast on Led Zeppelin with superfan Murph. Also check out Ron and Esty, Carmen Apice, Vinny Apice on the Hanging and Banging podcast as well. And Chris and Aaron on Decibel Geek. You can also follow The Hook Rocks wherever you do your social media on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just search up The Hook Rocks and subscribe or follow the podcast on any podcast platform that you listen to. Uh, We are available everywhere, Spotify, Apple, and Google. So check that out, and don't forget to set your app to automatic download so you get the latest and greatest episodes right to your phone. We've had some tremendous episodes to start the new year. We did our Album of the Year celebration with co-host Chris Corradetti, who also joined us prior to the end of the year, doing the fourth quarter of 2022. So check out all three of those episodes. The 2022 Album of the Year is two parts, and then the fourth quarter is, of course, one part. But we rank the albums on the year end, one through 20. And we also do the top five EPs. And as, of course, we always do our quarterly episodes where we rank the top 10 over the last three months of the year. Uh, We do a quarterly episode every three months during the year. So can't wait to explore and see what's been coming out here in the first quarter. Don't forget also new music spotlight with Leilani Kilgore, Robert John and the wreck joined us before the end of the year, as did Laura Cox 
And Dorothy Martin, the great uh, singer from the band Dorothy. So check that out and enjoy that. And also our friend Skylab, who talked about the history of vinyl and what's happening in the modern day. My next guest on the Hook Rocks, the Ultimate Rock Media Podcast, is one of my favorite artists, whether he's singing, whether he's playing guitar, whether he's playing piano, keyboards. Uh, had the pleasure of seeing him with his solo band this past summer outside the Chicago area. Uh, fantastic show, as always, and I'm excited about the new project, the new album from Winery Dogs. It's uh, called Three. The album is called Three. It's out this coming February in about a month's time. And I'd like to welcome yeah. in guitar player Richie Kotzen. What's up, man? How are you? I'm good. Thank you uh, for uh, checking out the music. I appreciate it. Absolutely, man. I, you know, I had the pleasure. My son, I've taken my son to see Winery Dogs before. So I took him right. to see just you over this past summer. And, you know, he's going to be 18 in a week and he plays guitar. And we get in the car after the show and he's got a, he's got a Les Paul and he goes, Dad, I need a, I need a telly. Uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> Gotta go to the Fender store. Yeah. So he was, uh, man, he was blown away. I was, I mean, I've seen you. I always get blown away every time I've seen you. But um, it was a great show at the Arcata Theater. And uh, can't wait to see the winery dogs there, I think, in March. Yeah, we're coming back. I, I love that place. It's a great place to play. We always seem to have a lot of fun there, and they treat us really well. Yeah, it is a great uh, venue here in the in the Chicago area. So let's get into the new album. Um, for winery dog fans, for fans of you, um, there is a level of excitement that's out there because it's been a while since you guys put something out. Hot Streak was the album that you put out, God, was it five, six years ago? And Well, 2015, yeah, longer than that. Yeah, right? it's crazy. And, of course, you know, lots been going on in the world. Lots been uh, happening. So, you know, yeah. that kind of pushed everything back. But you've been busy as well. But settling in with this, with Billy and Mike and doing this, what was – what was it like to kind of return to that environment? Man, it felt great. You know, um, we did a tour in 2019 um, just to kind of keep things going. You know, we didn't want to forget who we were and what it was, you know, that we, what it is that we do. So we got together and did a run of dates in 2019. And the plan was to get back in the studio and then, of course, you know, we got sidetracked with the pandemic and everything. So finally, uh, we were able to get together. And, uh, man, I, I'm really excited about the record. We we uh, just kind of picked up right where we left off. And um, I'm literally in the process of uh, listening to everything and trying to figure out, you know, what I did. Because I, I'm one of those guys that when I write something, once it's recorded, I don't go back, you know, I don't go back and listen to it, but I have to go back and listen to it to, uh, to be able to perform it live, you know, to remember what it was. So I'm in that process and I'm, and I'm just really super excited about what we did and, and can't wait to get out there and play it for everybody. I like the album in that when you, when you look at the debut, which was, you know, 10 years ago this year that you guys put that out and then you know, it got a little bit more on a proggy level with the with the the second album. 
And this album really combines both of those in one. And it's, it's a great listening experience. Cool. When you guys were putting this together, was that what you wanted to achieve? Was, you know, what was that process? Was it just walking in and, and playing with, with the guys and seeing where the music went? Or did you guys have an idea before you sat down and started creating? No, you know, it's, it's let it, it's, let's see where it goes. That's kind of the attitude. And that's, that's always been the attitude. I mean, on, on the first album, there were some songs that I brought in, uh, maybe a couple that were pretty much done, maybe a couple that needed a little help. But on the second record and on this record, we didn't do any of that. Nobody brought any compositions in. We, got in the room and threw around some ideas and the process is is pretty natural you know uh billy may come up with a may come up with a baseline or mike a drum beat or i come up with a riff or a melody and then we kind of jam on it and then someone will do something and or have a thought you know mike might say hey i love that i'm hearing this in my head he'll sing you know go to this chord he'll sing the the root note or however i'm making examples here but we just throw the ideas around and typically I'll have a microphone set up where I'm kind of, you know, scatting some potential melody ideas. And, you know, that whole process, you know, we might spend, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes on something. And then ultimately it gets to a point where we feel like it has a life to it, you know, a, a form, if you will, you know, uh, and then we'll record it. Very crudely, uh, one microphone in the room, just, you know, record it. And then once we had all those, um, I guess you could call them germs, you know, then, uh, we, we go back and set up correctly and then start recording them. And then once they're arranged and recorded, I take them and live with them and kind of figure out, okay, what do I want to sing about? What does this bring to mind? And that, that's the part that takes the longest. I mean, the, making the music happens relatively quick. But when it comes to, you know, committing to, to what you want to sing about and you got to wait for that inspiration. And then you start, you know, I start writing the lyrics and, um, you know, it, it's kind of a thing where it just hits you randomly. Like the song Xanadu, it, it was like late one night and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I got it. And I just kind of laid down the vocal, you know, and um, other songs just took longer. Like by way of example, there's a song called Breakthrough. And I had the melody and the phrasing and I, I kept singing, I'm falling and breaking. You know, I had that in my head. I'm falling and breaking. And then Mike kept saying, you know, I, I hear you saying I'm having a breakthrough. And that, that's all he said. And then I'm like, well, I don't know how I can fit that in. And then one night, you know, I'm sitting here with a, bottle of wine and it just came out and it all fit together and I used both lines in, in the chorus and I was able to make a story out of it so that's probably the process that takes the longest This album was recorded a while back, right? Yeah uh, It was recorded uh, not this past summer, but the summer before is where we um, recorded the music over two sessions. So that's got to be 2021, I guess. And then, uh, now we're releasing it. So that's typical though. I mean, 
Um, the, the Smith Cotson record was finished in 2019, and then that didn't come out until, I believe, 2021, the beginning of 2021. So that's pretty normal, you know. But when you're recording music and you have to sit on it for a while, how how do you remain connected to it? Well, you don't. You're you're only connected to it when you're writing it and when you're recording it. And then once, it, once like I said earlier, like once you know, once the bird leaves the nest, you know, it goes on and it does its thing. So, you know, I, I record an album. You know, the Winery Dogs album has been done. Right now, I'm working on something else. But the 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 point is, is that it's it's you got to go back and tour it. So now at this point, what I'm doing is because I haven't listened to this stuff since we agreed on the mixes, I got to go back and figure out what did I do. And so I'm listening to it. I've got in my in my office here. I've got all the lyrics taped to the wall, so I can kind of read them and get it in my head. And and then and then I listen to the song and I get the feeling I had when I wrote it and it takes me back to where I was when I recorded it. And then, you know, I'm getting a headspace to play it live. I mean, that's typical with, you know, that's how we do it. You know, it's like, it's just the way it is, you know, because you have to set up an album. I mean, I've done songs where I released, I wrote a song and put the single up on iTunes the following week. I mean, that's, that's always fun to do as well, but it's a little different with a band and you're setting up a tour and, you know, you got to have all the, you know, cylinders firing in sync, you know. It also causes a, a, a delay in, in your personal excitement. Obviously, when you're creating, you're, you're excited about creating music, but, you know, not listening to it and then revisiting it before it's released, before you go on tour, it gives you the ability to make it feel fresh again. Well, I'll tell you something else that happens that's very interesting. And I always wish I, I could find a way to reverse this process, but I'll, I'll use my own solo stuff by way of example. Um, I'll make a record and I'll, I'll be super excited about the album and, and totally in love with what I did in the studio. And when I feel that way, that's when I release it. I'm like, great. I can stand behind this. This is my vision. I like it. And I move on and I forget that I did it, whatever. And then what happens is you go to play it live. And you start playing it live with your band, and all of a sudden, this material, which you still are fond of, takes on a whole new life. So, by way of example, I've got a song called Bad Situation. If you listen to the original version, I recorded that song on an electric piano. There's very little guitar in there. It's mostly the electric piano driving the track. But live, it evolved into this whole other thing, just by way of improvisation. And so it's like, now, the live album that I did, I, I kind of like the live album better than the original version. And so the song has a new life. So to apply that to the winery dogs, you know, if we take a song like, you know, Mad World, I mean, the album version, I love it. I love what we did. But I, would, I can imagine as time goes on and we start performing the song, it's going to take on a new life. So that's another kind of creative reward and something to look forward to. Yeah, I mean, you speak about bad situation. the The album version is great in what you've done, but then, like when you play it live, it really comes to life and it really becomes this 
this song that is just layered and, and it has so many, it's, it's almost like a journey. And I love when you play it live. I've seen you play it live a couple of times. Thank you. As far as getting back with Mike and Billy, I mean, you look back in the last 10 years and with your career, um, it definitely has gone beyond what you were doing prior to this album, right? I mean, you become more recognizable. Sure. Your name has become, yeah. you know, more, more familiar with rock fans. As you kind of like revisit all the things you've done since that debut album up until now, you know, what's these last 10 years been like for you? Well, I mean, from the inside looking out, uh, I guess the biggest thing that I can say, because, you know, I've been in the record business since I was a teenager. You know, my first record came out when I was 19. By the time I was in, by the time I was 21 years old, I was a member of a band that sold 20 million albums, you know, Poison. So I've been around for a long time and I've been on both sides of it. You know, I've been in a headlining arena band and having songs on a, on a major label album. And then I've been on the flip side, you know, playing clubs and, you know, putting out records myself without a label. So, um, Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon Podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. For me, I'm just doing what I've always done. I guess one of the... the, the you know, 
all these things make a difference. When when I before I was in Poison, there was a whole demographic of people that never heard of me. Suddenly, I'm in this big band. Now there's a bunch of people that know who I am. And then I go away for a while. Then I come out with some new music, some records. I tour, and you grow your base. And then all of a sudden, I join a band with Stanley Clark. And now I've got a whole other group of people in that world, like the fusion guys that didn't realize who I was. And then, so, you know, it's, it's a matter of like your existence. I mean, you, you're doing, there isn't, I can't pinpoint one thing that, that changed my life. It's everything in, in sequence that got me to whatever position I'm in. I'll tell you the biggest thing that, that opened doors for me was, not being held hostage to a record company because I've always been dependent on having a record deal, like whether it was Interscope or Geffen or Shrapnel or um, JVC or any of the labels that I was signed to, um, you know, you're at the mercy of the politics of what's happening and it's not always in your best interest. And so, when I did this record into the black, I think it was 2006. It's the first time I put a record out without a label. And so I was able to do exactly what the fuck I wanted to do. I mean, there was no compromise whatsoever. No one's suggesting anything at all. And to this day, it's the album that is the most streamed. You can't save me is my most streamed song. Doesn't mean it's my best song, but. You know, it resonated. And what that record did for me was open a lot of doors for me to tour throughout Europe. So um, I still played in the United States here and there, but I was really more of a European act and I toured a lot in Europe. And then with the Winery Dogs, that really opened up uh, touring in the United States for me. And it put me in a great position there. So, you know, all these things that you do. Um, and, and even to go further, uh, last or two years ago, I put a record out with Adrian Smith from Iron Maiden. We wrote uh, a bunch of songs and released it and did a few live dates. So there you go. That's a whole other thing. So it's just, it's a, you know, it's just keeping, keeping at it and, and being true to your art and your music and, and staying active. You know, that's how you grow. Do you feel when you became you know, when you released that album independently, do you feel like your growth as an artist and a musician really came together with being, with having that creative freedom? I think I had to go through all the steps I went through to get to where I am. So like when I moved to California from Pennsylvania, I was signed to a major label. They were putting me with people to write with, even though I didn't think that was necessary because I fancied myself a songwriter at that point. You know, despite the fact that I was only 19 or 20 years old, I thought I knew it all. But the reality was that they were setting me up to write with people that have had major hits. And it was a learning experience, but it was beat into my head that the song is the most important thing. So I've always focused on, you know, the idea that if I don't have a song of my own, I don't have a career in, in music. So my whole existence even though i'm known as a guitar player and a singer my whole existence is fueled by original music you know music that i've involved in writing so that's my ultimate uh 
thing that makes me happy is the creative process. I mean, uh, gigs are fun. I, I like to get on stage under the right circumstances. Uh, but the, the thing that really drives me is, is having an idea and bringing that to light in, you know, in the form of a song that other people can listen to. When you look back at what you were, you know, as an artist, when, when after that second album of, of Winery Dogs came out, you know, you, you wanted to go back and do Richie Kotzen as a solo artist. And you went and did that. You put out an album. You did 50 for 50, which was a kind of a celebration of your music. You did the Smith Kotzen record as well, which was absolutely fantastic. And now you're back in that Winery Dogs. Over the last few years since you went to go do Richie again, what has that journey been like? Well, I've always been Richie. And so I've, you know, it's, that's my home. It's like, you know, all these other things are, are awesome vacations, but you know, my home is making my albums. I mean, I, I don't know how many I made now because I have some albums that are collaborations, but I'm still writing on it. So let's say for argument's sake, there's maybe 24. Um, you know, that's obviously who I am. You know, I, I made my living as a solo artist, uh, participated in, in bands here and there. But, um, you know, when I think of Richie Kotzen, I, I, I picture me, you know, recording my songs and so forth, but, uh, it's a matter of balance. And so yeah, I remember when the winery dogs formed, um, when the winery dogs formed, it was right at a time where I had just done an extensive tour in Europe on a solo album called 24 Hours. And I, rem I remember saying to someone, you know, I could really use a break from myself and I wouldn't mind forming a band and just do like something more where I'm collaborating, where other people are contributing to the writing. And no sooner did I say that, and it's funny how this stuff happens, Eddie Trunk called me and said, hey, you know, Billy Sheehan and Mike Portnoy are interested in, in forming a power trio with a guitar player who can write songs and sing. <laughs> so that's really where how, how that worked. And, and so it was the perfect timing. So like right now, the last thing that I'm interested in is making a solo record. Like I, I just did my tour. It was great. I had a great time. But my focus is 100% on the Winery Dogs. I'm, I'm super excited about the album. And uh, I'm really thrilled about getting back with the back on stage with Billy and Mike. So um, it, I guess it's, it's about balance for me, you know. Having been able to listen to the album, I absolutely just love the song, Pharaoh. I mean, that song is just... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, just talk about like a next level winery dog song. I think that's the best song on the album, to be honest with you. Wow, thanks. Um, I got to tell uh, Mike Portnoy that because he, he does the set list for us. And uh, I got to make sure he, he knows that. <laughs> See, I'm in the process now of going back and listening to all this stuff again. So I know I can remember what I wrote. <laughs> um trying to think you know i think this this record's got a lot of cool stories on it I, I really dig the vengeance is one of my favorites um you know i'm looking at some of the stuff i mean billy and i were very excited about mad world when it was done 
because it has that kind of soul Motown thing to it. So I think it's going to be a fun record to play live. Yeah, I, I picked up on the Mad World, the soul and the, and the R&B influence that you have that you bring a lot to your solo albums. Um, so it was, it was great to hear that. And I really like the diversity of the album because you've got songs like, you know, like that song. And then the other ones, I think the, the arrangements on this album, as far as the, you know, comparing it to the last two are really amazing in terms of the approach and in terms of, it just didn't seem like you guys had any barriers with yourselves when you were recording this. You guys just kind of yeah, for it. Yeah. I think probably too, it's like, you know, we really know, we know each other so well now. I mean, on, on the first record, you know, we're just kind of trying to see where we're at, you know, feel each other out a little bit, who, who's who, you know, this and that. On, this, on, on the second record, we got to explore a little bit, you know, do some more experimenting. And then on this one, it's like, you know, the pendulum swung back to really where, where it should be. Um, I think, I mean, it's, it's it's definitely my uh, as an album out of the three. It's my my favorite album. I think I mean, one of the, my favorite winery, winery dog songs is still "Regret" from the first album. But I think as a ten song album, this one I, I definitely feel like it's my favorite. But you know, it's hard to say that because then once I get out, I'm going to be reminded of all the other stuff we wrote, and I'm, I'm going to be all confused again. How do you balance the three albums now? I mean, have you guys talked about that when you when uh, you're getting ready to tour and go play live? Obviously, you want to you know play the stuff that you're that you just recorded, but there's also songs too that are that are you know fans that love them and fans that enjoy them. How do you balance a set list with that? Well, I think it's going to be fairly easy because the the interesting thing about the band, you know, despite the fact that we can go out and tour and and, and do fairly well uh we never had a, a, a radio hit so we're not in a position where we were expected to play one specific song no matter what and so i think we're able to make a set list that really includes a lot of material from all three albums you know i mean if you did a, a set list of 15 songs and you did five from each album, I think we could get away with it. Whereas most bands that have a hit record, you know, they're going to have to really start their set list, you know, focusing on the songs that everybody knows. And maybe on the new album, they can only play maybe two songs from the new album. So that's kind of my way of looking at it. As far as Winery Dogs, Smith Cotson, your solo stuff, you know, when you're getting ready to record and and write music and create music, what are the differences between the three? Well, the processes are different. I'll, I'll tell you one thing with Richie Cotson that, that stresses me out is having to make a set list. That, that's something that's always kind of driven me berserk. And what I learned is, uh, is that I tend to make a set list where it warms up my voice. And that's kind of the avenue that I go. That really worked well in the last tour. Um, so with the winery dogs, I'm so happy that Mike loves to make a set list. And so um, I just, you know, wait to see what he wants to do. And then if there's something that he sends to me that's like, oh, I can't do that because I have to sing that song later in the set because if I, you know, whatever, 
you know, we can tweak it. But I like the, that's one of the things I really like about how that works. But um, for the recording process, it's very different because in the Richie Cotson recording process, I have a studio so that everything is mic'd up. And everything stays mic'd up until the entire record is done. Uh, and oftentimes, I don't even look at it like I'm making a record. I just have everything set up until I don't feel like recording anymore. So the drums are always mic'd. So that means if I play something on the drums and I start working on the track two weeks later, I don't like, you know, what I played in the bridge. I can hop down there, you know, maybe have to tweak the drums tuning a little bit, but I can jump in and replay something. And then it's like this kind of round robin kind of approach where everything is always on. Everything is mic'd up. Um, and at any given moment, I can go in there when I'm inspired and work. And it really is that. I, I don't work on deadlines. I don't work like, you know, oh, you have to go in there at one o'clock and by five, you have to have this done. So like, I might go in there and throw down a tambourine at, you know, seven in the morning and then go to the beach and, and not, and not record for another two days. Or I might go in there and, you know, record the entire song and not come out of there for, for two days. So uh, it's just really free and loose when it comes to me doing my solo record. With the winery dogs, it's a little more um, structured because we're dealing with, you know, three people with lives. And so, you know, we have to focus on the fact that, okay, well, we have two weeks together. So in these two weeks, let's, focus on what we do together, which would be the music. Let's get, I mean music with an instrumental bit. Let's, let's, let's get some forms recorded. Take some of these ideas, turn them into songs without lyrics and without melodies. And then once we have that, then I'll come in at my pace and write lyrics, melodies, and then I'll send them off to the guys. And hopefully, you know, they dig what I, what I present to them. And of course, if someone has a suggestion, you know, and something needs to be uh, looked at, we look at it. But that's that process. Um, Adrian and I kind of falls a little bit more like uh, my, how I do my solo records, with the exception that there's also a window as to when we can be in the same room together. So um, I will have that sort of setup where everything is on. And I can always jump to the drums or you can grab a bass or this or that. But we know that, okay, well, we're going to be in here every day for the next three weeks. So there's a little bit more of like the constant solo approach with some sense of a structure. As far as this album goes, you're going to be touring for the better part of the year. You're going to be doing some stuff in, I believe, South America and also Europe too as well. Is, is this going to just pretty much be your year with the winery dogs? Yeah, I don't have any plans on doing anything other than the winery dogs this year. And when you think of, you know, the singles, the let, you know, the first two that you release, is there going to be more stuff coming out as well? Yeah. I mean, at this point, you know, we put up two videos to just kind of give people a feel but, you know, what's interesting is those two songs, I mean, it still sounds like the Winer Dogs, but they're quite different, you know. I mean, Xanadu is more like a kind of a wild kind of barn burner, almost, and it has like a funk 
kind of element at certain places, like in the chorus. And then, you know, Mad World is really more of like a laid back, you know, kind of groovy tune, like almost like a Motown kind of thing. So the record has just like a lot of variety on there. It all sounds like the winery dogs, but you can't get an interpretation of what the album is by listening to two songs. I mean, I think those are two songs that we love and are proud of, but those two songs do not define the record. I mean, you got to listen to the whole album because there's definitely, it's definitely a bit of a journey, you know? Yeah, that's what's so great about it. I mean, whether it's Xanadu, Mad World, I mean, Rise is a great song. Love Gaslight. Lorelei is awesome. The Vengeance is great. There's so much stuff going on. And, and that's what really stood out to me was just the, the openness with the arrangements and, and being able to just kind of go where you guys needed to go with each song. Yeah, um, we just basically treated each song with the respect that it, you know, commanded. And uh, and there was maybe, I think there's one or two things that didn't get developed, you know, because we just thought that, okay, well, we kind of have something else that can represent that. So, you know, we have 10 songs and we, we focused on them and took it seriously and we're very happy about it. I mean, the next step now is, is obviously getting on stage, so. That's what I'm preparing for. You know, when you think back of the last 10 years with these guys in the band, did you think that you would be making your third album with them? Yes. I, I figured that, um, that this would be an ongoing thing. Absolutely. I mean, we invested a lot of energy, a lot of time. And so the idea of just doing a record and then <laughs> walking away would be kind of silly. I, I don't think, any of us had the attitude of, you know, yeah, this is cool for now. And then, okay, whatever. See ya. You know, I, I think we, we realized after the first record was done, like, okay, we're kind of onto something interesting here. Let's, uh, let's do another one. And then, you know, we, we did a live thing in 2017 and then we weren't quite ready to make a new album, but we did a tour in 2019. And now here we are with an album coming out in 2023. So I think, um, it, it makes sense. And, you know, I think it's good that we took a break because, you know, we came in strong with this record. It's easy to burn out and just like, if you keep doing records back to back with a band after, after a while, it's like, all right, well, now we're kind of regurgitating. And I don't think we have that problem because we waited long enough to where we were really inspired and excited to do it again. Richie, it's been a, a great time talking with you about the album. Um, I hope, you know, I, I, I know it's going to be successful for you guys. I can't wait to see you in the Chicago area. Thanks again for doing this. Awesome. Thank you. All right, everyone. That's Richie Kotzen, and he's part of the Winery Dogs. And get their album here in February, the, the um, Winery Dogs 3 album. So go check it out and uh, go see him on tour. I'm Jay Scott. This has been another episode of The Hook Rocks. Take care of each other. We'll talk soon. Thanks.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 